Hey, all you boys and girls out there in radio film school land. Welcome to another episode of Shortens. These are short, mini documentary episodes and stories about all things cinema to hold you over until the next episode of the main show. If you want to know the history behind the term shortens, check the website. One more thing before we get started. As you may know by now, Song Freedom is the sponsor for the show. Stay tuned through the credits to hear how you can get a free song from them. And as you listen to this episode, keep in mind that except for the music from the video clip excerpts, all of the music from today's episode is courtesy of Song Freedom. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Enjoy. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Well, here we are again. It is Sunday, August 9th, 2015. And I am finally, finally on my way to pick up one of my crew members to shoot Mixed in America, episode one, Little Mixed Sunshine. That's an excerpt from a series of audio diaries I recorded this past summer while shooting a personal project of mine that was originally started way back in January of 2011. This has been a film four years in the not making. Uh, I'm sure at some point I will go into details of everything that held it up. But it's happening today. And as usual, not everything is going exactly how I was originally envisioning it. So I am going to be creative and come up with ways to do things that I originally was planning to do in a different way. But uh, I'm going to work with it. Now, if you recall, in Radio Film School Episode 3, SOS Atlantis, there was a segment in the middle called Shooting Sunshine. It was an introduction to my journey making the short film documentary series Mixed in America. It's a series that's intended to highlight stories of biracial people. The first installment of that series is called Little Mixed Sunshine, and it's about my daughter and her experiences as a biracial girl being raised by a white mom. There was such a burst of energy and enthusiasm when I first began this project, but then something happened along the way that put a kibosh on the whole thing. In the later installment of the series, I'll address what happened that put this project off for so long. But for now, suffice to say that for over four years, I've eagerly awaited the chance to finally shoot this project. I had the allotted time, I had the crew, I had the quote-unquote cast, and you would think that after four and a half years of waiting to shoot a personal project like this, that on the day of I'd be more enthusiastic. But for some reason I wasn't. Here are my thoughts that day of the shoot. I thought I'd be more nervous or excited. Uh, I don't know. My wife asked me last night, she thought I didn't seem as excited as she thought I would be knowing after all this time. And I don't know, maybe because there's just so much going on with trying to get the podcasts out and new blog and trying to keep up with client work and everything that it's just so overwhelming. Uh, I just already feel excited about this, but I'm sure once I actually get into it, it'll feel differently. And I guess if I'm honest, there's always, there's that part of me that kind of feels like, uh, there's a part of me that feels like 
Like, what is this really going to do? Like, I'm not making any money off of this. There's no indication that it's going to get a lot of views. I mean, hopefully it does. I mean, hopefully it touches people, but, you know, I don't necessarily have a history that shows that that's going to be the case. And so there's a part of me that feels like, what's the point? Why should we do projects like this in the first place? They don't generate revenue, they add stress to your life, and if you're unable to complete them, you're left with this profound sense of failure. So we can be in the nude. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way we're most comfortable. Cool. And we're, we're recording now, by the way, so you know. Oh, oh we're so, on. That makes a great sound bite. Those are the voices of Dana Saint and Dan Reardon of Gnarly Bay Productions out of Rhode Island. They are a duo of filmmakers that you both love and secretly hate all at the same time. You love them because their work is amazing, inspiring, moving, something you would kill to have on your reel. And ironically, you hate them for the same reason. Of course, I'm just kidding. I'm sure I'm the only one who's slightly envious of the fact that they're one of those Vimeo darlings that have multiple Vimeo staff picks with multiple videos with hundreds of thousands of views. These are all my issues, folks. Just my issues. I think one of the first videos to really put them on the map was from about four years ago. It was a very non-traditional wedding film of all things. It was called Summer. Some things can only be seen by the results they cause. You don't even have to see this video and you already know that it's cool. Their work really is incredible. Time is the aging of a child. and the movement of the seasons. I sort of think of Dan and Dana as the patron saints of passion projects and personal work. As such, they are the perfect experts to give insight as to why one should do them. I mean, obviously, you guys get paid for a lot of the work that you do, and do you do stuff in between your paid work in order to keep a lot of work going? And if so, like, how do you find the time to do it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, all the videos that we hold dear to us are, are stuff that we ha actually don't get paid for. So um, that is kind of the challenge for us is to kind of keep that fire alive to kind of carve out some time. And we definitely don't have, usually don't have time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's usually like, it, it's just it's just good to, I don't know, uh, find a way to make things happen, you know? Whenever filmmakers ask me for advice on how to make a demo reel, I just point them to Gnarly Bay. Oh, we're going to become film directors when we get older. Yeah, we've actually kind of started to kind of adapt it into our business model to a certain degree. There's just a, a certain percentage of the work that we do. We're just, we, we realize how important it is to do these passion projects. And, when you say you worked into your business model, like explain, like what do you mean? Well, if you are what you love, and you do what you love, I will always be the sun and moon to you. And if you Meaning, you know, a lot of times it might not make sense financially, um, or it might not, you might not have the time, like like Dan said. So, but we understand the importance, so we will actually work it into our our edit schedule and we'll treat it like it's a normal job even though we're not getting paid for or we're not you know there isn't a client involved but we'll actually pursue it as if it's a real a real job and and just make it a priority whereas in the past 
I don't think we have the opportunity to do that or the availability to do that. So it was only in our spare time at weekends or if we took time off where we'd make these passion project videos. But nowadays it's, it's I, I, I see it as just as important as any client video we come across. Was there some milestone in your career where you made that decision? Like did something specifically happen? Was it something you kind of wrestled with for a number of months and then you finally came to the conclusion that's what you wanted to do? Or did something happen where you said, okay, we need to start making these passion projects our priority? I think we started realizing the power of, of these videos from a marketing standpoint. Because mm -hmm. it's not like when we were getting new clients, people weren't really responding to our uh, our robotics videos we were filming back in the day or our freaking high school videos. You know, it's like we started creating things that, that people responded to and, and grabbed people's attention and that would it just it was a great marketing tool for it and it has been it's hands down our best marketing tools all these videos that we put out that you know we actually don't get any work from our actual work which is kind of crazy yeah interesting People, you say you don't get any work from what do you mean by that you don't get any work from your actual work basically nobody sees what we actually like a lot of the paid gigs people don't see is that because I, you don't show it are you not allowed to show it you don't want to show it but not, not so much don't want to show. I mean, it's just like, obviously the, the gigs that we do keep, they keep the client that we shot it for. Like, you know, we want to make them happy as possible so that they keep working with us. So in a sense it does, you know, if we do a job for somebody, obviously if we do it well, then it it, it makes them hire us for more things. But it's very rare that we, that somebody is like, send us, send us some work and we send them, unless yeah. it's very, very specific. Right, right. Um, like we often, I, we don't really sh uh, send anything that we have done for other clients. Yeah, for the most part, people are coming across like our stuff they see on Vimeo and they, and they get inspired and they're usually in some sort of agency role. Right. And like, oh, I want to work with these guys. And then they find something that has nothing to do with the video they originally saw. Yeah. Dan and Dana have one of the strongest business case studies for doing personal work. And I love how they make it a priority, to the point where they treat it as if it were a client video. If you need a dose of inspiration, just check out their Vimeo feed and add to the hundreds of thousands of views they already have. I've included a couple of their videos on the blog post for this episode. Standing by my window, only cold. And That's the opening scene from the second installment of a documentary film series called While I'm Here, The Legacy Project by Canadian filmmaker Brent Foster. Born in 1932. Right down the place we call Shabogla where my church is. This project documents and highlights the lives of older people doing extraordinary things. I had an opportunity to speak with Britton about how the project came about and why he does it. This project really started, to, to be honest, out of regret. I, I grew up in a small town in Canada, 10,000 people, and there was a man in the town, his name was Frank Dymock, and as a kid playing hockey and, you know, growing up skating and kind of classic Canadian, um, we would go to Frank's garage. He had this this little sort of garage or shed that 
had a wood burning stove in it and was always 90 degrees and we, we'd go there and we'd get our skate sharpened once a week and he would never take a dime from us. And, and it was just one of those things that he kind of did for the community. And I always promised myself that I would do a story. I'd go back and I'd, I'd tell Frank's story and you know, I let time pass as, as I worked on other projects and um, eventually went back to see Frank and he had been diagnosed with cancer. Unfortunately, he passed away um, during that process. So I, I started the project, you know, really in dedication to him, but also sort of with the idea that we need to tell these stories while these amazing people are still here. How do you balance time? And what's your advice to people who want to do this, but just find it hard to find the time? You have to find something that you're extremely passionate about and, and stories that mean a lot to you and get out and do them and don't make excuses because it, it's, a, it's amazing how many emails we've received from people who are saying, oh, you know, that was really cool to see. Th thanks so much for sharing this project. I've been really wanting to start this project, you know, this personal project, and I, I've just never found the time. I don't know, I don't think it's gonna get any easier. At least I don't see it in, in, uh, in my near future getting less busy. So, um, so I think that's the big thing is just get out there and do it. That's me again. Earlier this summer, a week before I was originally scheduled to shoot Mixed in America. July 3rd, 2015, and I'm feeling just a tad bit overwhelmed. Having somewhat of a mini artistic existential crisis. I kind of feel like I would uh, be sacrificing my artistic integrity if I were to kind of just shoot this like a... You know, normal, for lack of a better word, video that I've done before versus the vision that I had for it. But, like, how long do you hold out to get your vision and then never get the damn thing done? <sighs> Man, I don't know. I really want to do this the way I'm envisioning it. I eventually realized the vision for this film that I had brewing in my head for the past four and a half years? Well, you'll have to tune into later episodes of the show to find out as I continue to catalog this journey. Actually, as of the recording of this episode, I'm only about halfway through editing it. You can see a new and revised teaser trailer on the blog post for this episode. In the meantime, keep tuning in to our show to see how it all develops. 
So you have Dan and Dana from Gnarly Bay. You have Brent and his Legacy Project. You have any number of other successful filmmakers I've interviewed over the years, all of whom share the same sentiment. Personal projects like this are what feed the muse. They are what keeps the spirit of a true artist alive. No matter what art form you claim, filmmaking, photography, writing, music, in each genre of art, you hear the same feelings of this need to do your craft lest your soul dies. And many artists who make a living out of their art have found that personal projects are the best way to keep the passion alive. My friend and Atlanta-based filmmaker Brandon McCormick summarizes it nicely. Brandon is the co-founder of Whitestone Motion Pictures. They've been producing Hollywood-caliber short films for nearly a decade, and most recently finished a feature-length special for the History Channel. Yet, even despite that success, Brandon admitted to me there have been times, even most recently, when there was no work and he would do anything to make ends meet. Yet, despite those dark times, he continues to persevere. In those moments, I, I wished I didn't like have this thing that made me com- like a compulsion and you know, some point a sickness of like, I, I, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm made to do. This is like, I can't not do this. We're, you know, gluttons for pain and we love this. The love of it is too strong um, to, to give up and walk away. I just can't imagine it. it the pain that I'm feeling now mm. feels like it's going to be less than the pain if I walked away. You know, uh, that way, that way lies certain death. And this way, this path is, is terrifying, but it, maybe I can make it. And maybe this is certain death as well, but I'd rather die on this, this road over here uh, than go over here and be 10 years away and go, man, you know, my soul just, you know, withers and dies. There you have it. The very survival of your artist's soul could be at stake. So what will you do, my fellow artistic journeyman? Perhaps Michael Caine's Professor Brand from 2014's Interstellar can give you the inspirational lift you need. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end, no dark is right. Because their words had fought no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Radio Film School is a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was written and produced by me with production help from Crystal Sun, Lucas Randall Owens, Tommy Ferguson, and Chris Husledge. All the music for this episode is by Dream City Orchestra and courtesy of Song Freedom. Check the show notes for links and track names. Radio Film School is supported in part by Song Freedom. Where you need to legally license music for your productions, Song Freedom has thousands of tracks from every genre to choose from. And they are currently the only site where you can license mainstream popular music as well. Go to songfreedom.com slash radio and use the offer code radio to unlock a one-time standard gold level license worth $30. That's songfreedom.com slash radio, offer code radio. We're so appreciative of their support. You can support us by giving us a rating and review on iTunes. We're nearing the end of our run on iTunes' new and noteworthy section, so please do us a huge favor and leave a review on the show if you liked it. Follow me on Twitter at DareDreamerFM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. 
That's it for now. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Bon voyage. Bon voyage.